Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the breeding ground of corruption as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Oh, if I could only live in the country. Oh, if I could only move up into central California, into one of those little country, you know, towns where things are so clean and pure and all. I have a friend who took the position of chief of police in one of these nice little country towns in central California. And he's having a terrible time with the corrupt politicians who are trying to tell him who he can arrest and who he can't arrest. Certain things, crimes going on in town, he's just to overlook those completely. If there are certain people in town that park their cars in the wrong place, they're not to get ticketed. So he just quit issuing parking tickets. And then they came all upset. Why aren't you? He said, I can't do selective enforcement. But you talk about corruption. It's all over. Because man doesn't have the fear of God in his heart and doesn't recognize the fact that he is accountable to God. And when man becomes the end in himself, You've got corruption in its worst form, the breeding grounds of corruption. I have friends in Sacramento that say no matter how sincere and honest you are, Sacramento has the capacity of corrupting the most honest man within three months. Human government is corrupt to the core. And anybody is naive, and their head is in the sand if they think any different. Because men are not obedient to the word of God, where the Lord came to him and declared, He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. If we would follow that one rule, We could clean up the whole society. If those who were ruling over men were just and ruling in the fear of God, that would end all the corruption in government. But such is not the case, and it doesn't look like it's going to be the case in the near future unless Christ comes. He shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises, even the morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by the clear shining after a rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, and he has ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial, or Satan, shall all of them be as thorns that are thrust away, because you cannot take them up with your hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and a staff of a spear, 
and they shall utterly be burned with fire in the same place. Now you have David's Hall of Fame. These are the mighty men that were with David, the men that fought in his armies. Among the chief captains was Adino. Sounds like an Italian. In one time, he lifted up his spear against 800 men and killed them. He was a tough cookie. <laughs> After him was Eliezer, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together against Israel. He arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and the hand claven to the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to the spoil. This guy was fighting so long that he couldn't tell where his hand ended and the sword began. It just, his hand was locked, and, and he just kept wailing away until the guys just came in and took the spoil after him. I mean, he did all of the battle, a mighty, one of the three mighty with David. And after him was Shammah. And the Philistines had gathered together unto a piece of ground that was full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the middle of the ground and defended it, and he slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And then it tells of another three, who when David was battling against the Philistines and the Philistines had taken Bethlehem, David out there in that hot sun said, oh, if I only had a drink of water from that well that is there near the gate of the city of Bethlehem. Boy, I'm so thirsty. And so these three guys went in and they broke through the Philistine lines and they got David a drink of water from that well and brought it back out to David, wiping out several Philistines in the task. And they brought David this water from the well, and David took the water and he poured it out on the ground. He said, man, this water costs blood. I, I won't drink it. And these were numbered as a part of David's mighty men. So it goes on and tells of the mighty men and of their acts, and then it just gives a list of the names of the men. Finally, the 30 men who were numbered with David who were the mighty men of David. Chapter 24, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go and number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people that I may know the number of the people. Now Joab rightfully objected to David from this numbering process. Why do you need to know how many people there are? You know, God is able to give you, you know, a, a great multitude. Why do you need to know how many you have? But David insisted that they be numbered. Now, the Lord was opposed to the census on the basis of the fact that God had declared that he was going to multiply Abraham's seed 
so that it would be as the sands of the seas and the stars of the heaven innumerable. And for David then to seek to number the people or to count the people, to take the census, was actually sort of in a defiance in a way against the promise of God, which promise declared that he was going to multiply them till they were innumerable. But David, for pride or whatever reason, sought to number the number of fighting men that he had, both in Judah and in Israel. And so he commissioned Joab to go throughout the whole land and number them all. Joab went throughout the land, took him, took him nine months to take the census. And when he came back after nine months, he found that there were 500,000 men in Judah who were valiant, and there were some 800,000 in Israel. Now David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David confessed, Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. And now take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. So David, after it's over with, realizes his folly, realizes his sin, and, and he asks forgiveness. And so the Lord said, I'll give you three choices. Either, number one, there will be seven years of famine come into the land, or you will flee three months before your enemies, or I will bring a pestilence for three days into the land. Take your choice. So David said, well, I don't want to fall to the hands of my enemies because I don't think they are merciful. I'd rather fall into the hands of God, for he is merciful. So I'll take the three days pestilence in the land. And so the angel of the Lord went through the land with the plague and began to smite the men of Israel. And the Lord sent the pestilence from morning till evening, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men were wiped out in this pestilence. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it's enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Aruna, the Jebusite. David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people, and he said, Lo, I have sinned, I've done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. Lord, it was me, I sinned. What have these people done? They're just poor sheep. They haven't done anything. And, and David is seeking the Lord. Actually, though, you go back to the first verse, and the Lord was angry with Israel, no doubt for their apostasy and all. And, and God sought this cause against Israel. And so the prophet Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up and raise up an altar unto the Lord at the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. 
And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up to the, as the Lord commanded. Aruna looked, and he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And he went out and bowed himself uh, unto David. And he said, why is the king come to his servant and so forth? And David said, I've come to buy your threshing floor, that I might build an altar to the Lord and offer a sacrifice that the plague might be stayed from the people. And Aruna said to David, hey, take it, man. I don't want to, you know, you can have it. And here you can, you can kill these oxen and you can take uh, the plows and all to make the wood for the altar and, and, and you can have them. And David said, no, I will not offer unto God that which cost me nothing. I think with David, this is a very interesting principle. We talk about making sacrifices unto God, but we don't really understand what it is to sacrifice unto the Lord. Very few people actually sacrifice in giving to God. Most generally, people give from their abundance. Very few ever sacrifice or give sacrificially unto God. So often we're giving to the Lord that which cost us nothing. It doesn't really cost. It doesn't really take away from me. If it should take away from me, then I think twice about giving it to God. Very few people are willing to actually give sacrificially to God. Give God that really cost them something. In reality, I feel that the poor actually always give much more to God than the rich. Even as when Jesus was with his disciples watching the people cast their money into the treasury. And the rich came by, casting their great gifts in. And all the people were saying, they're going, oh, wow, wow, you know. And, and this poor little old widow came along and dropped her mite in, which today is one-fortieth of a penny. You can buy 40 mites for a penny. And when this widow dropped that mite in, Jesus turned to his disciples. He said, did you see that? She gave more than all of the rest of them. What do you mean, Lord? You got to be kidding. No, I'm not kidding. You see, she dropped in all that she had. That's her very sustenance. That's all she's got. That cost her. The rest of them, they're all giving from their abundance. It didn't cost them to give. They're giving their surplus, their abundance. It doesn't cost them anything. And she has given her very sustenance unto the Lord. It costs. And that's what the Lord measured. And thus, the poor people are those that will be rich in the kingdom of God. Because their giving unto the Lord has been costly. They give out of their sustenance. 
Whereas the rich, though you may count them in dollar amounts, give much more. God doesn't count in dollar amounts. God counts in what it costs to give. And David declared, I will not give unto God that which cost me nothing. And I think in that exemplified an excellent principle that our giving to God should cost us something in order for it to be true sacrificial giving. And thus David bought the threshing floor from Aruna, and he bought the cattle, and there he offered the sacrifice to God, and the plague was stayed, the angel's hand was stayed, and did not smite Jerusalem nor smite any further in Israel. Now, because of this, they did not take a census in Israel after this time. But every man was required once a year to drop a shekel into the treasury of the temple, and they would count the shekels so they knew how many men there were. But they wouldn't count people after this anymore. It's like we were in Israel the, a few weeks ago and our guide had some obligations to fulfill and also wanted to be with us. And he said, oh, I'll go talk to the rabbi. He said, they can always work a way around the law, you know. And of course, this is the very thing that Jesus was complaining about, how that they had developed traditions and all by which they could circumvent the law. And so they're still doing it, developing little traditions by which you can circumvent the law. On the Sabbath day, you cannot spend money. You're breaking the Sabbath law if you spend money. But it's all right to use a master charge, a Visa card, because that's not money. And so they've got these little nuances all the way through where you can sort of circumvent the law. The rabbis will always be able to tell you some way by which, well, if you do it this way and, and so forth, then, you know, you're not violating or you're okay. And, and so today in Orthodox Jewry, they still refuse to be counted. Not if you're a party. You need to play a game a game in which the people in the room have to be numbered. You really can't count the people, so you say, well, you're not one, you're not two, you're not three, you're not four, you're not five. So you're not counting them. Little ways around everything. It is sad that David's career ends in sort of tragedy, but after the sin with Bathsheba, there was a penalty to be paid, though the prophet said, The Lord hath forgiven thy sin, yet the sword will never depart from your house. Your own children will rise up against you. First of all, Absalom rising up against him. Next, Adonahi rising up against him. The sword, the rebellion by the northern tribes 
the attacks by the Philistines. The sword is constantly there. Yes, he's forgiven, but oh, the price that he paid for his sin. It should cause us to think twice before we would entertain the thought of sin. God will forgive, of course. Sometimes the price that has to be paid is very steep. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of First Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 23-24 through 24 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. walk in its light. Give us, Father, a richer, fuller understanding of your purpose, of your plan, of your love, as you unfold it to our hearts through thy word. And Lord, let us examine ourselves, our own lives, that we might walk circumspectly before thee. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to even examine our giving to thee that we would not, Lord, just give to you cast-offs, but giving that counts. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you this week. May the Lord bless you. May he fill you with his love, with his spirit, with his grace that you might show forth that grace of God in your dealings with others. That you might manifest the spirit, the nature of Jesus Christ in your relationship with others. That you might walk even as you walk. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you.
it is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.